You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. You're listening to episode 426 and I'm your co-host, Brittany Martin. Julie J is a career switcher. After becoming a mother of two, she gave up her career as a pharmacist and began learning programming. She is now a junior engineer at Code Academy from Skillsoft. Welcome to the Ruby on Rails podcast, Julie. Thanks so much for having me. It's my first podcast and I'm honored and excited to be here today. Oh, I am so excited. Anytime we have like a longtime listener on the show, especially if it's their first time podcasting, like it's just so exciting. So Julie, of course, I have to know what is your developer origin story? Well, it actually goes back to high school when I took an intro to computer science class. And for whatever reason, I dropped out. I think the language was C++. I'm not even sure. And between then and now, I became a pharmacist. After having children, I decided to step down and be a stay-at-home mom. But during that time, I wanted to learn something to add to my skill set. And a friend of mine suggested that I learn programming because I really love logic puzzles. This was in 2019. One day I just Googled how to learn programming and Codecademy's link appeared and I created an account and started learning. So I want to dig into just becoming a pharmacist because at one point I wanted to be a pharmacist and I started out in college where I wanted to be a genetic counselor, but I was also interested in the pharmacy track. And can we just say that you've achieved organic chemistry? And so like learning how to program, I feel like might be not even on that same level. What do you think? I will have to say that there may be some similarities, but it's a completely different field. As a pharmacist, I had to do a lot of memorization. And for programming, I just had to understand the basic concepts and then Googled everything. What about calculating dosages? You know, when you're programming, you have a test suite to check whether or not you got those correct. How does that work within pharmacy? I did not actually have to do a lot of calculating. Most of the calculations were, uh, let's say there's 30 tablets and you take one a day. So what's the day supply? That's still impressive that you pulled that off. (laughs) So I'm curious then. So you started out with Code Academy and pretty much between Code Academy and self-taught, you became a developer. What made you choose Ruby and Ruby on Rails? It actually was my first language and that stemmed from learning it on Code Academy. And then also at the time, there's a bootcamp called App Academy that released their content online. And so they taught Ruby and therefore I started learning Ruby. But I personally did not enjoy like my first year learning as much as I did my second year learning because I was solo learning my first year. And in the second year, when COVID happened, there were these communities that came out Stanford Code in Place was one of one that I joined and started learning Python. And it was a group of, I can't remember now, I think there were 9,000 learners and 900 section leaders. And each section leader had about 10 learners. And we just went through like the first five weeks of Stanford's intro to computer science class. So I'm familiar with free code camp. So is it a similar thing where it's just communities coming together to help each other learn how to code? This is a little different because we did have to apply 
And once we got accepted, we were in just a big group of all of us. And then we basically, the section leaders would meet with us once a week to solve a problem. And I believe three days a week, we would have a lecture. And I think Free Code Camp, is that all self-learning? I'm not. It is all self-learning and it is all JavaScript based. Yeah, it is actually pretty different from that. And I believe Code in Place had a second iteration in 2021, which had, I believe, even more learners on that. That's so awesome. I've never heard of it before. So we'll definitely add that into the show notes. Now, Jolie, at what point in your learning did you feel that you were ready to start applying for jobs? Did you meet a certain milestone? Was there a certain timeline for you? How did you know? I actually want to circle back on the previous question because Ruby was my first language, but I didn't end up learning Rails until last year. And the reason why I learned Rails is because John Crepezzi from GitHub at the time put on a free bootcamp to help underrepresented people break into tech. The bootcamp was called All Aboard Bootcamp. And in four weeks, he taught us Ruby, Rails, HTML, CSS, JavaScript. And it was that point where I started learning Rails and I just couldn't be happier. Before that, I was learning JavaScript and Node and Rails. It was just so quick to build something. And I was so engrossed in my final project. I spent so much time working on it, but I was so hyper-focused on it. And I just really loved Rails and thankfully ended up getting a job working in Rails. That's awesome. Tell me about your final project. It was kind of like a clone ed tech platform. I was trying to mock Coursera in a way. The reason why I created it is because during these courses that I was taking in the community, everything was in different places, announcements or assignments, videos. They were all in a different platform and I wanted it to have it all in one location. So I created this platform where I had them all in one location and I created a little chat application within it to chat with your fellow students. Oh, that's so cool. So between starting out with Code Academy and then this final project that was very focused on education, it's no surprise that you ended up at Code Academy. So (laughs) tell me about your current role there. I currently help build new features for our learners and I work mostly in our React and Rails monolith. And actually, I did take a break from Ruby and Rails for several months so that I could learn React on the job. And that was really hard for me to learn on the job. I basically had this internal pressure telling me like, why are you not understanding this right now? Why is it taking you so long? So that was really hard for me. But I paired with a lot of people on my team and outside of my team. And that really helped me understand it better and also helped me feel a little less siloed being in a team. And... Yeah, I really appreciated that Codecademy allowed me to do work that I enjoy because after learning React, I'm now back on Ruby uh, about a couple of weeks ago. So I feel at home going back into the back end. When you saw Ruby again, were you like, hello there, old friend? Yes, I was. Uh, 
I also struggle in the same way, Julie. I've been at companies where they're like, it's cool, like take a week or two or like take a month or whatever and learn on the job. And for me, I struggle with like whether or not I'm actually making progress and whether or not I'm still contributing to the team. So it's definitely a struggle there, but I'm so glad that they gave you a good environment to learn React. It sounds like you did a lot of that with pairing with other developers. Were there any other learning resources that they gave you or were you on Code Academy itself, really just using the platform and learning React? I definitely used Code Academy's platform to learn it. And I relied heavily on my pairs because unfortunately, front end doesn't tickle my bones as back end does. <laughs> I love that phrase so much. Front end also does not tickle my bones. <laughs> <laughs> This episode is brought to you by AppSignal. Most of you probably already know our newest sponsor, AppSignal, because they've been around since 2013. With AppSignal, you can monitor your Ruby apps from A to Z, error tracking, performance insights, server metrics, uptime, custom dashboards, you name it, they have it. AppSignal works smoothly out of the box. Installation takes only a few minutes and works for all popular Ruby frameworks. It automatically instruments and creates beautiful dashboards for Sidekick, ActiveJob, and other integrations. Visit appsignal.com slash ROR podcast for more information. As a listener of the Ruby on Rails podcast, you get a 10% discount and a box of sweet treats. That's appsignal.com slash ROR podcast. Thank you so much, AppSignal, for sponsoring the show. So let's talk more about your involvement at Code Academy, but I also want to talk about some personal things as well. So that's why I'm so grateful to have you on this episode. So I know you're involved with a neurodivergent ERG at Code Academy. And before we dive into what that actually is, do you mind sharing with the listeners about discovering that you yourself are a neurodivergent? Sure. And neurodiversity and neurodivergence is actually a term that I six months ago didn't know myself. So I like to say that it's basically acknowledging that everyone thinks and behaves differently. The term was coined, I think, in the 90s when autistic individuals were seen as maybe a deficit and not empowered. And we want to think of neurodivergence as instead of learning disabilities, we think them as differences and everybody thinks differently and everybody behaves differently. And so if someone is neurodivergent, it doesn't make them any less than someone who's neurotypical. They're just different. I was also diagnosed earlier this year with ADHD and everything sort of made sense after learning about it. I've always kind of grew up being an outsider. It was really hard for me to make and maintain friendships, even into adulthood. And I've always had difficulties with reading comprehension and writing, and I still do now. And I felt like as a pharmacist, I was in the stores mostly. And I felt like it was very accommodating to my ADHD because I didn't have to focus on any one thing for more than a minute or two. Fast forward to getting a desk job, it's very difficult for me to sit in one spot for a nine to five. And I couldn't understand why I was struggling doing certain tasks like researching or writing or learning about something. And so I decided to 
get it checked out after talking to a colleague of mine who also mentioned that they had ADHD. And that's when I realized that I can use this information to help me with my symptoms, I guess, if you would call it that. When you suspected that you might have ADHD or that you might be neurodivergent, so did you reach out and say like, hey, I think I might have, you know, I might need some help. I'm just so curious, like what the process was for you in terms of getting that official diagnosis and being able to get help or was it relying on coworkers and family and whatnot in order to get that support? I do feel that at work, I'm having to have a lot of my coworkers lift me as far as my struggles I don't know why I never really looked into it. I kind of always just thought, well, things are hard for me, but maybe they're hard for everybody. And I guess I kind of grew up not really getting a diagnosis because ADHD was mostly seen in kids who couldn't sit still or were very active. And I was actually not that way. I could sit still for a long time. And I didn't realize until now that I had a lot of struggles. And what made it really helpful for me is my managers at Code Academy have always allowed me to sort of stop this kind of hiding or concealing that things were hard for me. I was able to come as myself and I think the combination of that and talking to coworkers helped me just go find a psychiatrist and see what comes out of that. That's fantastic. I'm so glad that you got all that support at Code Academy, which leads me actually to my next question. So tell me about your involvement in neurodiversity with Neurodivergent ERG at Code Academy. Sure. So I co-founded our newest ERG. An ERG is... I also didn't know this term until I started working at Code Academy, but it stands for Employee Resource Group, but it could come in many names. Skillsoft's ERG group is actually called EAG. I believe it stands for Employee Advisory Group. And what it is, is a group of employees that come together because they have a shared identity and we want to help make them feel like they belong, especially helpful for companies working on DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And our vision for our ERG is like our mission to empower all neurodivergent employees, regardless of where they are in their journey, to continue to learn, grow, and make an impact on both the company and the world around them. That's so great. So what does that all contain? Is it a meeting? Is it a wiki? Is it a private chat? I'm curious what makes up an ERG at Code Academy. We have just completed our first group meeting. We're going to have them monthly where allies and people who identify as neurodivergent can come in and have a say in what happens with the ERG. If you knew when you were learning to code that you had ADHD, would you have done anything different? I want to say that is a great question because I think through learning to code, I also learned how I best learn. 
what I mean by that is I can't sit in a classroom and have someone lecture to me, but videos work great because I can watch something and pause it and then look up whatever I need to look up, especially with programming. I'll pause the video and apply what I just learned and then replay the video again. I learn by doing and it's super helpful for me to be able to apply what I learned immediately after learning it instead of waiting until the complete lecture is over and I've only maybe grasped like 50% of it. I just want to say, you know, on the record, and I said this orally in two episodes ago, is that anybody who learns to code on their own, no matter who you are, what your background is, is incredibly impressive to me. So Jolie, already you have a ton of my accolades. So just the tenacity it takes in order to keep learning and to get to a point where you feel that your job ready is just incredibly impressive. And you did that over the course of years with children, which again, still so, so impressive. Aside from the lessons that you've imparted today, do you have any advice for the new developers out there? I want to say to not let your fear stop you from doing what you want to do. An example for me would be going to a conference and connecting with other people. I have a hard time with connecting with other people. And I just want to say that the Ruby community makes it so easy to connect with other people. RailsConf 2022 was your first conference, wasn't it? Yes, it was. And How was it? I had an awesome time. I was also a scholar and I had an awesome guide who took me around and helped me out of my shell, introduced me to everyone that he knew. And I just had a very good first experience. I don't have anything to compare it to because it was my first tech conference, but I can't wait to go back. That's awesome. Any other advice for new developers? Something I also want to say is to get good at Git. And this is embarrassing, but I recently, for the third time, screwed up a rebase. And I'm at the point now where I can fix it on my own, but I've had to have two different people walk me through the first two times. And I realized that the first time I screwed up a rebase was a year ago. So I would say get good at Git. And lastly, you don't have to know everything even the things that you once knew, you're going to probably Google it because I recently also had to Google how to use the map method. I love that. (laughs) And I think it's so important to know what you want, but you don't need to know it by heart. And I want to go on the record, listeners, that I have been coding for at least eight years. Two years ago, I screwed up a rebase so badly that I profusely cried and needed someone to pair with me to get through it. So it's going to happen. And I think as familiar as you can get with Git is the best. But there's always going to be those situations where you have managed to mangle Git so badly and you don't know how you did it. But just being able to dig your way out is A-OK. And you might find yourself in a situation where you have to cherry pick. Hell, you might even have to start the branch over again. But you know what? It's just software and the world will continue. I'm so glad that you mentioned that. I felt pretty embarrassed about my rebase and it really helps me feel better to hear that someone who's more experienced also goes through the same thing. 
Absolutely. I am sure the people who are listening to this episode are nodding their head and thinking about their most recent horrible rebase. (laughs) We are not alone, Jolie, I promise you. Hi, everyone. It's Brian, your co-host. I'd like to talk to you about something that is very near and dear to my heart, and that's the software consultancy I co-founded in 2001, Atlantis Technology. Some of the longtime listeners here may know Mirror was born out of Atlantis back in 2006 when we figured, let's try being Ruby engineers who recruit Ruby engineers. It was a unique idea that clicked and now has become my life's work. But while I've been growing Mirror for the past 15 years, Atlantis has continued to grow as well. Atlantis still specializes in Ruby on Rails software development and collaborates on some pretty meaningful projects. Here are a couple of my favorites an interactive education tool to help elementary school students learn how to read. How cool is that, right? Second is a SaaS application for clinics and hospitals to treat patients remotely. So my point is the work we do is really meaningful and impactful to others. But the best part is the work gets done by great developers who also happen to be great people. Atlantis has always attracted egoless, empathetic engineers who love working together and we are actively seeking more remote engineers to help build the future for our clients. While I'm not doing the actual recruiting for Atlantis myself, since my time is so focused on Mirror clients, it'd be my privilege to connect you with our CTO and co-founder, John Collier, who after 19 years, I still describe as one of the most relentlessly positive human beings I know. If you'd like to meet John and hear more about working at Atlantis, just drop me an email at brian at mirrorplacement.com and I'll make an intro or apply directly at atlantistech.com. We'll put a link in the show notes. Now to wrap up, I want to talk about one of my favorite topics, and that is starting a podcast. As the listeners know, I'm very passionate about community content. I want more podcasts out there. There are no competitions out here. I want content because that is what's going to keep our community growing. And it sounds like, Julie, you're starting to think over possibly starting one. So let's talk about your idea. I am. And I want to preface by saying that there are so many great podcasts out there today, like the one I'm on today. And when I was on my learning journey, I tried to look up Ruby podcasts that were geared towards beginners and I couldn't really find any. So at RailsConf, after Jason Charns and Andrew Mason and Chris Oliver's talk, I pitched an idea And my idea was that I would like to create a podcast that's geared towards beginners. And I also mentioned that I couldn't do it alone. And Andrew was standing right next to Jason. I was telling this to Jason and Andrew's like, I'll co-host with you. And the minute that he said that, I was like, oh, see, I came into this thinking like maybe 5% I would actually do this. But then after Andrew said that, I was like, oh, I'm 100% doing this. And (laughs) as the reigning president of the Andrew Mason Club, I am not surprised at all that he would offer to do that. And no matter how experienced Andrew gets, and this goes for Jason as well, they still remember what it's like to be a junior developer and how important it is that we raise those junior developers up. I was lucky in the sense that when I was a junior developer, Code Newbie was fairly new and Saranya Barak was learning Ruby. And so a lot of the content that I was looking for kind of fit well with me being a junior, but it's been a minute, Julie. And so that <laughs> content 
is quite old now. So I totally get the vibe of wanting to start a podcast aimed at beginners in Ruby because we need more beginners in Ruby, don't we? We certainly do. And that's what I love about the Ruby community too, is that if I were to start up a new podcast, I don't feel ever that it's a competition. And I just feel like we're all in this together. I completely agree with you. And I can name several hosts that immediately would either offer to hop on or rebroadcast across their networks just because this is something that's super important. I love that you have this idea. So I'm going to put you to it, Julie. What's your plan on execution here? Well, I'm glad that you asked that because Andrew and I have recorded our first session and we'd like to officially announce that our new podcast called Ruby for All will be the newest Ruby podcast and we will be airing it probably sometime the end of this month or early next month. That is so exciting. Oh, I love the name. That is such a good name. I can already see the hashtag. I'm so excited for you too. Thank you. I want to give a shout out to Andrew. Andrew has been so awesome to work with. He's literally just helped me become more comfortable. And he is one of the best people to do this with me because of how passionate he is for junior developers. And I just wanted to thank Andrew for everything that he's done. Well, without giving away any spoilers, what do you plan on doing for a format of the show? Or are you going to release a couple episodes and just see what works well? Do you plan on doing a topic per episode? Do you plan on taking listener questions? What's your plan? Those are all great questions. Considering that both Andrew and I have ADHD, we like to come into this maybe not having a very well thought out plan, but the anxiety in me also has thought about this. And I think what we'd like for it to be is just me, the junior developer, Andrew, the senior developer, talking about what would help junior developers. And we might have guests every now and then, and it definitely would take any user comments and questions and take that into account as well, because ultimately this is for the listeners. And if they have any ideas that they want to listen, we will try to make that happen. I think that's great. I think that's a good approach, too. I think you always want to have a plan for what you could talk about during an episode, but be completely willing to throw that out the door (laughs) and just let magic happen, which I have a feeling is what's going to happen on Ruby for All. (laughs) Well, Brittany, I would love to ask you a couple of quick questions. I was curious, what did you wish that you knew before you started podcasting? Yeah, that is such a good question. I wish that I had known how to position my microphone correctly. (laughs) As you and I talked about before we started taping, I was definitely using the microphone the wrong way. And so our amazing editor coached me through that. But in terms of the actual podcasting, I wish I had known how important it was to be consistent. As I was recording more and more episodes, I noticed that certain questions are really gelling with the guests and with the listeners. And so those are the questions that you tend to see appear in a lot of the episodes. And that formula kind of started to help me find that brand and really be able to pitch to people about coming onto the show. And I would say the last thing is, and Julie, you're one of those people, is that when I reach out to people about being on the show, especially people that might be anxious or worried or scared that they've never been on a podcast, just how to approach that. I always tell people I'm going to send the questions ahead of time 
And it's amazing how many people are assured by that, because while we don't necessarily stick to all the questions that I have written, it just really gives people that feeling of assurance that they're going to be prepared. Definitely having those format and everything ready to go has definitely been a big help. Those are all great advice. Thank you. The only other question I had is if you had any advice on how to not let Andrew down. Oh, that's such a question. (laughs) (laughs) One thing that I like that Drew Bragg on Coding Coders is that he publishes on a monthly basis. And I've always gotten the gist for him that like as things go well, you know, it's a brand new podcast. He might pick up publishing speed, but... I like the fact that he is starting on a monthly basis and then moving from there. And so I think that would be my advice for you is that while you're still feeling a lot of energy around recording Ruby for All, get a couple episodes recorded and slowly trickle them out. And as you see the reaction from the community, it's going to fuel you to continue to record and record on a very predictable basis. But I mean, honestly, Julie, I don't see in any way a situation where you could disappoint Andrew. I think Andrew's just thrilled that you're here in the Ruby community. And I really don't think you can disappoint him. Mm-mm. That sounds great. Thank you, Brittany. Of course. So to wrap up the question that I always love to ask, what are your thoughts on the future of the Ruby and Ruby on Rails communities? Well, I'm very passionate about this because it's because of the Ruby and Ruby on Rails community that I'm here today and that I'm developing in Rails today. And I just want to circle back on my bootcamp instructor, John, who created All Aboard Bootcamp. He did that on his own and he didn't charge anybody. And I felt like that was a really great way to get newcomers into this community. And why we created Ruby for All is to also help newcomers into the community. So I'm very hopeful about the future. How can listeners follow you, Julie? I am pretty much at Code with Julie on Twitter and GitHub and LinkedIn. And soon to be Ruby for all. (laughs) Julie, thank you so much for choosing the Ruby on Rails podcast for your podcast debut. I am so excited for you to be involved in this podcast community. Just excited to see what you're going to put out there and just so thrilled that you're in this community. Brittany, thank you so much for having me on. I had a great time. You've been listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded to stay in the loop on Ruby on Rails and open source software. While you're at it, please leave us a review. And thank you for listening.